Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. Again Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Hi everyone, good to be with you. Um, I was at the back of church and walked in at the wrong time and I thought, was church turning into some kind of weird cult when all of you are walking around whispering to each other? It was very disturbing. But uh, it's great to be with you and uh, um, I'm sorry that we're all not on holidays and everyone else is, but we get to um, spend some time in God's Word together and so I, uh, I trust that you have an encouraging um, time with us this morning and um, if I haven't met you, I'd love to have a cup of tea, coffee with you after the service as well. Now, as uh, Jeff uh, told us, what we're doing over summer is we think we have this kind of little mini-series, topical series, on how would you fix the world? And getting people's opinions on that and figuring out how would you fix the world. And each week, I'm going to kind of try and talk about some of the big suggestions that people often make. And so, what are the common attitudes that people have about this world? And as we think about that, and as we think about this, this question... There, it assumes there is a problem, doesn't it? That the world does need fixing. And it, it is kind of an assumption that we make because often we see things aren't the way we want. Out there and in our own lives. And actually what we'll see each week, I think, is that the Bible, the Bible is actually about answering that question. How is the world going to be fixed? Can it be fixed? Was it good in the first place? How did it get broken? And what is God's plan and where is it heading? Is the message of the Bible. And so I think this series, our hope is in different ways as we look at different ideas, we will wrestle with how does Jesus give us hope for the future? Because that is why this world that does seem broken, does need fixing, can actually uh, be restored. And so I think today's topic is really interesting. They're the four that we're going to look at. And then the first one there is often people think that you just need to fix people. I'd be really interested to know what you think. I wonder, have you spent any time thinking about like, how would you fix the world? Not necessarily from a Christian point of view, um, any point of view, wherever you're at, what would you think? That's an intriguing question, isn't it? 
If you all of a sudden became in charge of the world, you got to be the head of the superpower and you were charged with one job to fix it, what would you do? What, what options would you take? So I think it's an interesting question because people take the fixing of people in all sorts of different ways. Some observations I've been reflecting on is that I reckon we live in a society that wants now, we are often thinking about, have you ever heard of the idea of we want, want to be the best version of myself? Have you heard that phrase? I see some of you nodding. Or I just want to live the best life that you can now. Oprah says that a lot. Live your best life. And I'm sure even in this small number of people, there are some people that love Oprah. She's that well loved across the world. Live your best life is a common attitude because we want to be the best we can be. Even, um, it's a very big, influential idea in Christendom today. One of the biggest pastors in the world, in America, Joel Osteen, has a book called Live Your Best Life Now. This is from his website. It says, you can live your best life now. You can be the best now. And at one level, it seems reasonable. And it sounds great. And it also assumes, though, that we need to be proactive in fixing the things about ourselves that aren't the best. But maybe, maybe we need to consider other perspectives. Maybe you think about it totally differently and that's a bit of rubbish to you and you think, well, you know what, there are so many people out there that are just so bad. The baddies. We love our moodies, uh, our moodies, our, our, our um, movies that give you the baddies and the goodies. Why? Because we want to know who to go for and who not to go for. Whenever I watch a superhero movie with my son, that's kind of the discussion, are they good or are they bad? And we have this perspective that the world is kind of all screwed up and messed up because there are bad people. Do we have to think hard to come to that conclusion? Watch the news for a little while. The battle of terrorism. A closer to home where we see the, the struggles of people um, having everything taken away from them by others. The crime that is constantly around where people take things from others because they want it. The selfishness that we have. The other day, I was driving home from the golf course in beautiful Tea Tree Gully and there's these two cars in front of me in the roundabout literally ramming each other, yelling and screaming at each other, having this full-on attack. They pull out their phones videoing each other saying, I'm going to show you to the cops and it was just mental right in front of me and I just kind of sat there in the car, looked to reverse but I couldn't because there was no car behind me so I just sat there. I made a thick lock on the, the car door. It was, it was just insane. People just totally out of control people ripping others off. Have you been at work and there have been people at work that have treated you badly, seeking to go up the ladder and pu- pushing other people down? And we, then we think bigger and we have poverty in the world. We have enough food for everyone in this world. We, everyone could have enough to eat, but not everyone does. People are the problem from this perspective, aren't they? It's not just about living your best life. I had a great conversation I had um, with a guy the other week who, who would like to think that God exists but doesn't see any real um, way of believing in the God options that there are available. But the one thing that was crystal clear in their mind was is that 
we all kind of are horrible to each other. There was no argument needed in this conversation. It was really interesting when I was saying, we, we, we turn away from God and all sorts of things. I said, yeah, that's fair enough. I just see what's happening in my life. I see the, the, the things that are going on uh, at my workplace and I think of the wars in the world and how many people died in the last century. And I was like, oh, okay. If we open our eyes to it, it seems like the world's got a problem. So maybe if we fix people, the world will be better. And it's certainly an idea that humanity would love to see happen. And we talk about it a lot. Uh, if you've been around Grove for a little while, you know one of my favourite musicians, Ben Harper, one of his old songs, I think is the perfect snapshot, I'm pretty sure I brought it up before, but I think it's the perfect snapshot of this idea that humanity needs to fix the problem and we can fix it. Here's one of his songs with my own two hands, if you can see the words, so I didn't make them big enough, did I? But he said, I can change the world with my own two hands, make a better place with my own two hands, make a kinder place with my own two hands, you get the point? Humans, use yourself and make it better. We can be better, we can fix the problem with ourselves. I'm going to make it a brighter place with my own two hands. I'm going to make it a safer place. I'm going to help the human race with my own two hands. That idea is that humanity can fix it. Not only is humanity the problem, we are basically good enough to fix the problem if we use our two hands. Aren't we basically good enough? Let me ask you the question. In your mind, you might like to write down your opinion on this. Do you think humanity is basically good enough? That we are basically... When it comes down to it, okay, we do some bad things, we can't deny that, others do, but you yourself and others, we're basically good. What do you think? Yes or no? You're not sure? It's confusing. I wonder what you think. I've got some stats from the US for you from, from, a, from a, uh, another pastor who shared, shared these stats that recently came up in America where there was some research done on asking Americans, so it's Americans, but we'll, we'll use it because I couldn't find any Australian stats on this, right? Uh, that 87% of people in America think that humanity is basically good. That's a pretty high number. But they pushed a bit further in this study and 70% of people in churches think that humanity is basically good. We might have a problem, but we're good enough to fix it. It's not that we do... We don't do wrong things, but when it comes down to it, we're good enough. Here's the problem. Jesus says the exact opposite. So if that research and study is right, and I don't, don't know if it is, to be honest, but if it is, that's saying that 70% of people who go to church are saying... I follow Jesus as my Lord, but he is wrong. Let me show you. Um, It was the reading that we had today which highlights this. It was a super happy, positive reading, wasn't it? But we're going to get to the good, happy, positive bit later. 
You see, the context of this passage that we had read, Jesus is talking, um, uh, and he's talking about, uh, you know, to, to the crowds around him and those people who think that you need to be uh, right by being clean, by doing all the rituals and all the leaders of the time, that meant that was the way you got right with God and you were good if you did all the rituals. And while that seems far away from there, some people think if you come to church a few times and you do those rituals, that makes you good enough before God, even today. And Jesus, in that context, is wanting people to see, you know what, you've got it wrong. He even says to his disciples, you guys are so dull, you're not getting it. Let's have a look. Um, it should come up on the screen there. If you can't read it, I really didn't judge this screen right yet because we've hardly used it. That's really small. But it's Mark seven fourteen to 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then he left the crowd and entered the house. His disciples asked him about this parable. See what Jesus says to them? Are you so dull? Like, are you kidding me? You don't get it? He says in verse 18, don't you see that nothing enters a person from the outside that can defile them? It doesn't, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. That's regards to the eating and all the ways of being right with God. In saying this, Jesus was declaring all foods clean. And then he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And then he goes on to list a whole bunch of uh, challenging um, uh, evils in in Jesus' eyes. See verse 21, it is from within. Out of a person's heart. That is out of a person's nature. Not the little blood pumping thing here. It's out of us, the way that we are. And so, while Jesus, as we had at Christmas and as we had last week with Psalm 130, is a great story of hope and joy, did you know, did you realise that Jesus spoke harshly? He spoke very clearly because he wanted people to have clarity on the problem. Jesus is saying here that the point is, you know what, humanity has a real problem and it's all pervasive. It's not because of outside factors. I don't do things wrong in my family because of the way that they've treated me. I do things wrong to my family when I decide to do things wrong. Even if there's things that made it easier for me. The problem is not because of outside uh, factors. The great capacity to do wrong is within us. It comes from within you. We cannot blame anyone, anything else. I think that's important because one of the big problems of the modern day church... um, on one level, to move away from the gloom and doom and the, you know, that fire and brimstone preaching of the past, and on another level, to try and be relevant, is that often the church is not willing to point out that Jesus was really damning and clear about humanity. 
And that's disastrous because when we have that clarity, we see how great the message is and what he rescues us from and how wonderful he is. And it's actually a great message of joy. But if you don't know what you're being saved from, then you don't have clarity on how great he is. So what do you think? Do you want to second guess Jesus and I'm not comfortable with that? Think, oh, I, I need some proof on that. I don't see that in myself. Where, where, where do you stand? You could be anywhere, and, that, and that's fine to wrestle with. How could Jesus possibly say this? Well, on one, one level, if Jesus is God and the sustainer of all things and knows all things all the time, then he can say it because he just knows, right? But how can we believe such a negative thing about ourselves, about me, about you? How can we think that way? If I was to kind of, you know, challenge my own argument, or maybe it's your argument to challenge me, you could say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, we have a great capacity to do good, don't we? You know, you could even argue, if you did what I did this week, in trying to look at those stats and findings, I, I found that there's actually research done by scientists in a, a respectable um, scientific journal which it's argued that humans are basically good um, because they've found that there was um, our first inclinations to be selfish isn't necessarily actually the case, that we do have an inclination to want to help others. You could make that argument. You could find some research to take me down. But you know what? I actually think that's true. We do have a great capacity to do good. That's also what we see in the world, isn't it? When there's disasters, often it takes a disaster, but we rally as, as humanity. Um, I, you know, remember a couple of years when the bushfires got pretty close to up here in Golden Grove in the hills? This, this, this building here was a place where lots and lots and lots of food came to give to people in need. And there was lots and lots of people helping, and we do that in crisis. We want to help people in their challenges. The test match in Sydney is always now called the the pink test match to raise money uh, for cancer. Because people want to do have it on one level a sense of wanting to care for others. Why? Because God made us that way. We do have a capacity to good to do good. Let's let's see that. You see, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, if you're not aware of this, God, when he made us, he made us in his image. Verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God, the perfect good, loving ruler of all made us in his image to look after to rule as it says the world in his image in his way with his character with his goodness that is how humanity started but the problem the reason jesus goes on to say what he says is the next slide i think is the next slide. There it is. Oh, back one. That's the problem. 
It's shattered. We are like a shattered mirror. The image is good. Mirrors are good. But the problem from the beginning of the story is that the image is broken. You know when you look in a mirror and you can see the reflection perfectly well if it's a good mirror. But if you shatter it, it gets all distorted. You can't see it properly. It's there. The the image is still there, but it's distorted. We have capacity to do good, but we are so completely and utterly broken because we are shattered. And if we were to spend time, we would see that what happens is the reason for the shattering comes from the first humans doing what Jesus says in Mark 7. From them within themselves, they chose to reject God. See, the problem isn't particular acts that are wrong. The greater problem, which means we need fixing, is the turning away from the good God, which is what Adam and Eve did. They chose to reject God's way of living, which we won't go into um, in Genesis chapter 3 now. But if you went there and read, you'd see how God said, don't eat from this tree. And Eve Eve chose to eat it, gave it to Adam. Adam said, yeah, I'll, I'll eat it. And then, and then God comes and says, what have you done? They blame, they blame each other, blame the serpent. And all of a sudden, everything's reversed. And instead of following God who has given them everything good, they've made themselves out to be the ruler and blamed the serpent and blamed God. And all of a sudden, they're trying to blame everything out there and not realise that they were the problem. The heart problem Jesus is talking about it's because we reject the source of goodness. And the rest of the Bible reveals what a tragedy this has been throughout history. Not one of us, from birth, even, even from the moment that we are conceived, from the moment we, God knows us, we were never, ever not shattered. Even though we're made wonderfully in His image. We've um, been reading the Bible in a year and January is the month where um, people might finish it completely and in the back there, as I mentioned last week, um, uh, Julie's reflected on uh, her reading the Bible in a year and it's really encouraging um, as she must have finished it a month early. Um, and I bet you, if you ask anyone here who, who has read the Bible in a year this year or has done it previously, I bet you all of you will see how one of the overwhelming themes of the Bible one of the story arcs that is a consistent story is that God is good, he loves us and humanity and his people turn away from him and he establishes a a promise with them. They turn away from him. And that goes over and over and over again in the Old Testament to the point where it's not going to work. Humanity can't fix it for themselves. And even in the New Testament, Jesus comes and there has to be something different that happens. Because the conclusion is as Paul, one of the writers of many of the letters in the New Testament, wanted the church in Rome to understand after a long explanation of this problem that we have, and he really wants to nail it down and be clear, no matter who you are and what sort of problems you have, none of us can say we're right before God. And he says in Romans three ten to 12, no one is righteous. It should come up on the screen. Hopefully. Did I put it up there? I didn't. No one is righteous, not even one. He says in Romans 3 verse 10. I'm actually going to pull it up. 
Romans 3, verse 10. From chapter 1, verse 18, he starts off by highlighting this problem in all sorts of different ways. You get to 3, verse 10, and he says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one understand. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. The problem is big. But you know what's so great about seeing the problem? The solution makes the problem look small. You see, this searching for being better, living the best life, as Bed says, using your, your two hands, I think he's tapping into something really real and tangible. Humans need to be better. We are broken. But the problem is, we cannot ultimately fix our real problem. It is good to seek and have goals and to seek to do things better. I would like to not procrastinate as much. It would be good for me not to procrastinate as much. I would achieve more and I would probably be a better version of myself if I did that. But ultimately, that little scenario is not going to fix the real problem. People cannot fix people, ultimately. But Jesus can. Jesus came to give us this one solution. People can't fix people, but one people, one person can. God himself. God himself sees this plight, sees humanity for centuries upon centuries, want to follow him, but choose not to. Even when they say they want to in the Old Testament, the people, yes, we will follow God. And what's the next verse you often read? No, we won't. (laughs) They'll do something stupid. They'll follow idols. They'll turn away from him. And we're no different today. But God sees that and doesn't say, just do better and I'll be okay with you because I know you can't do better but this is what I'll do. I will come and fix those that are sick. I will come and fix up those who are lost. I will come and fix up those who have a real problem. Do you know the story of the tax collector? In In uh, the Gospels, in Luke's Gospel, there's a tax collector and they were hated, right? Tax collectors were hated because these were Israelites who were collecting money for the Romans. They were despised. They were like the worst. They're the baddies in many people's eyes, especially the high high, um, priests and all the uh, leaders of, uh, the poor leaders of God's people of the time. They, They saw them so lowly. Everyone despised tax collectors. 
And Jesus called Zacchaeus a tax collector and said, come follow me. And they got super upset about it. And so what did Jesus say? You see it there on the screen. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Son of Man is just a way Jesus refers to himself, which uh, uh, there's lots of great uh, meaning behind that. But that's, that's Jesus saying, I have come. I seek you, I save you because you were lost, you needed fixing, you were broken. How good is it to know that the world's problem, us, God steps into to resolve? How does he do it? Well, we know where the story goes if we've Uh, got to Christmas and then Easter, don't we? He comes to die and rise again. And what's so significant about that? Well, Jesus came to give his life in our place as a ransom, to bring us back. We sung the song at the beginning, My Redeemer Lives. That is the one who pulls us out, brings us back, who redeems us from our problem because he deals with the problem himself. Have a look at Mark 10.45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came into the world not to be an example, not to say, be a better person, that you can live your best life now and if you follow me, you will get heaps of great stuff now. He came to give up his life where your life should be. He came, sacrificed himself because he is the only human in history, Jesus, God become flesh, who never was bad, who never needed fixing, who was perfect in everything he did, And so as the perfect one who has been offended, who is the one who has all authority, he takes our place and brings us back. God will indeed fix us in Jesus. If you believe that Jesus has died and risen for you and trust in him, it's not a question of, are you fixed? Even though we've got so many issues, don't we? (laughs) Is it just me? No? Good, thank you for saying no, it's not just you. But ultimately, in Jesus, we don't have any issues because he already has fixed the problem. You can see why when we see what Jesus has done, it's so good to see that our hearts are broken. That it's not just fire and brimstone for the sake of fire and brimstone of sending people down a spiral of guilt. It's about us owning the reality of our problem and seeing the glory of Jesus' solution. How is the world fixed? Well, it's by Jesus. When people say, 
the solution to fixing the world is by fixing people, God says, yes, but I'll need to do that, not you. And I will do that. I've done that at the cross. Do you want to be restored by me? It's a great message, isn't it? You know, this being saved by Jesus, being brought back as a ransom, the Bible talks about the fact that we are a new creation in 2 Corinthians, in many other places, that you and I are actually new. And there's going to be a time where we're going to be resurrected like Jesus and we will be perfect. We won't have the problem that we'll be able to live forever without any needing of being fixed in any way. I would never have to get up in front of you and say, the other side of Jesus returning, we've all got issues, don't we? Because the issues are gone. We are a new creation living in a new earth with him when Jesus returns. The world will be made new with no pain and suffering. And so I want to finish by just saying to you, do you need to change your view? Do you need to see that people do need to be fixed? But not just kind of the baddies out there. That your heart can be totally transformed by God in Jesus. Is today the day where you need to see him? Understand your problem and understand only through what he has done. You can be fixed into all eternity. And as Christians, if that is you, we don't think of humanity as basically good so that we think that we can do good on our own self. We see ourselves as image bearers of God, shattered image bearers of God, restored by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. We give you great thanks that we we can see through your word that our hearts without your son are broken. Our nature is not basically good. But you, the one who made us in your image, is the one who desperately loves us. And we thank you that Jesus came to bring us back, to be our ransom, to buy us. Help us today to leave with great joy and hope knowing how marvel it is to know that you do deal with our problem. In Jesus' name. Amen.